Hey guys, welcome to the Potter's Minds podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things Harry Potter and criminal minds. If you have a love for the world of Harry Potter or the world of criminal minds, you are in the right place. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Potter's Minds podcast. I am so sorry that there was a very long delay between the first episode and the second episode. It took me a little bit longer than I initially thought to get all my notes written. Uh, And when I started writing the notes for the first four chapters of The Sorcerer's Stone, It ended up being way more than I thought, and I really don't want these episodes to be super, super long. Uh, So right now we are just doing the first chapter, Um, and I do want to give a big thank you to the sponsor of this episode, uh, Anchor.fm, which is who I record my podcasts through, but we will get to them a little bit later. Um, so before we get started with this episode, I do want to kind of give you guys a breakdown of the way that I took my notes and the way that we will be going through, uh, the chapters. So like I said, uh, this episode is just on chapter one of the Sorcerer's Stone, but the way that I kind of break out my notes, um, when I am doing a review or something like this on a book, um, is I start with the key players so the most important people that they mention um, in the chapter and then we go into the uh, key places so like important places that they visit um, where most of the story takes place key plot lines just so I kind of have it written down as like a note Um, if there's any notable quotes um, in the chapter that are important that stand out to me that might be important later on um, and then like, and then I'll go through any fan theories that I have, um, any fan theories that are kind of Harry Potter fandom wide, um, for this portion of the story. I might wait and do the fan theories like at the end, um, when we've discussed the entire book, because it'll be kind of hard to go like chapter by chapter, um, with the fan theories. And then I just have like any other little notes, um, that I need to remember that didn't really fit into any of these categories, but I needed to remember. So we're going to go through each of those categories. And then after I go through those categories, I will talk about my thoughts and how everything ties together. And then I'm going to give the chapter a rating. Uh, seeing as it's Harry Potter, it's going to be lightning bolts. So one lightning bolt to five lightning bolts. And then um, at the end of like every, probably maybe every five chapters, I'll do like an average uh, lightning bolt. And then at the end of the story, at the end of the book, I'll do an average lightning bolt as well. So let's uh, get into this episode. So in chapter one of the Sorcerer's Stone, which is titled The Boy Who Lived, uh, we have seven key players uh, is what I wrote down. Um, and of course, this is just my opinion. Um, 
you know, everybody is going to be different. But I wrote down for the key important players for this chapter, I wrote down Mr. Dursley and then Mrs. Dursley. And then I did write down Mr. and Mrs. Potter, who we do come to find out later. Their names are Lily and James. And then I put Albus Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall, Hagrid, and then I did put Harry down as well um, as an important player in this chapter, seeing as uh, he is the boy who lived. Um, so Mr. Dursley, um, they start off talking about the Dursleys. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. So right off the bat, when we're talking about Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, we're already getting a picture of what they're like. We think they're probably... You know, very normal, probably kind of boring, very standoffish, maybe a little bit stuck up, don't really like things that are different than what they like. Um, and then it starts immediately talking about Mr. Dursley. Mr. Dursley is a director at a drill company named Grunnings. Um, he is very big and beefy, has no neck, has a large mustache. Um, and then Mrs. Dursley, she's thin and blonde, a long neck. She's very nosy, always spying on her neighbors. Um, one of the lines, actually, it makes me crack up. Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde and had nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which came in very useful as she spent so much of her time craning over garden fences, spying on the neighbors. So it shows that she's a busybody. Um, she might look down on everybody, but she, she still wants to know what everybody is doing to make sure that nobody is doing anything that she thinks is strange or weird, because how dare anybody be strange or weird? Um, and then it talks about, you know, how they have a son whose name is Dudley. And they think there, there's no finer boy than Dudley. He's just perfect. He's great. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Um, and then we go in, you know, so the, the first few pages of this chapter are just about the Dursleys and kind of setting the scene um, about the Dursleys and... You know, it, the Dursleys seem like they have everything they wanted. They have this great life. You know, uh, Mr. Dursley is a successful director at a company. They have a son. They have a nice house. Mrs. Dursley's able to be, you know, you know, stay at home and just take care of a kid all day. But there is a secret, and they don't want anybody to find out because the secret would make them not normal. The secret is something strange and unusual, which we know that the Dursleys do not like strange and unusual things. Um, we have Mr. and Mrs. Potter. Um, Mrs. Potter is um, Lily... Mrs. P Lily, yeah, see, huh. uh, Mrs. Potter is Petunia's sister, and so obviously Mr. Potter would be Petunia's brother-in-law. Um, Mrs. Potter and the Dursleys, they, none of them have seen each other in years. Uh, Mrs. Dursley just pretends that she doesn't exist, pretends that she does not have a sister. Um, she is so, she is so afraid that somebody will find out about her sister because they are as un-Dursley-ish as you can possibly get, and they can't even imagine what the neighbors would think if they saw them. They do not want, uh, the Potter's son mixing with Dudley because they do not want the, uh, the Potter's son to poison Dudley in any way and make him become strange and unusual. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, the it's all about, like, the Dursleys and how 
they like their quiet life where they're normal and they kind of judge people. Um, and then after that, uh, we the next person I have on my list is Dumbledore. And Dumbledore is tall and thin and he's very old if you judge by his hair and his beard. Um, they're both long enough to tuck into his belt. Um, he wears robes and a purple cloak and high-heeled buckled boots. So again, strange. Undursley-ish. If the Dursleys would have seen him, they would have immediately known something was wrong and something was up. Um, he has uh, bright blue eyes and he wears half-mooned glasses, has a crooked nose. Um, he is, you know, he doesn't care that he doesn't fit in by name or appearance. Um, Professor McGonagall, I love Professor McGonagall. She's probably one of my favorite characters in the entire series. I just, I, I love her. Um, but she's a very severe looking woman, has square glasses, wears, has black hair, wears it in a tight bun, always wears a green cloak, um, looks distinctly ruffled is the description in the book, which I find so interesting. Like, like distinctly ruffled. How are you distinctly ruffled? Um... And also we find out that Professor McGonagall is, can also turn herself into a cat. Um, and where her, when she wears her glasses, they're square glasses. And when she is in cat form, there are squares around the cat's eyes in the same place that the glasses are. <coughs> um, she does not like the Dursleys at all. Um, she does really does not want to leave Harry with them, but it's not her choice. Um, and then Hagrid is another one of my favorite characters. Okay, guys, I'm going to say a lot of these characters are my favorite characters, but like McGonagall and Hagrid are probably top five for me with favorite characters, at least in this book. Um, so right off the bat with Hagrid, they're trying to make it seem like he's ginormous you know he is twice as tall as a normal man he's five times as wide as a normal man he looked too big to be allowed which that line I really don't get looked too big to be allowed um I, I but I I get the picture they're painting but he looked too big to be allowed um he had wild hair he looked wild long tangled bushy hair and beard beard like covering his face taking up half of his face hands the size of trash can lids the feet the size of baby dolphins so just a huge massive mammoth of a man um you know, vast muscular arms, came in on a motorcycle that is not his motorcycle. He borrowed the motorcycle, borrowed the motorcycle from a man named Sirius Black, which I have not reread this story in a really, really long time. When I first read this story, I was like six or seven years old. I have not reread the story in this book in years and years and years. And, excuse me, and I definitely did not notice that line until now. So it's in my notes. It's highlighted in green and it's bookmarked. So I can go back to it later. Um, and, you know, as we go into the chapter, it seems like he's already attached to Harry after just bringing him from his house to for Privet Drive. Um, and then Harry obviously is a baby. He has jet black hair. But the interesting interesting thing is he has a cut on his forehead that is in the shape of a bolt of lightning so we don't know why he has that cut on his forehead 
we don't know where the cut on his forehead came from, but I'm sure that we will find out at some point. Before we get too much further into this episode, I do want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Anchor, who is making this episode possible for me. Anchor really is amazing. Um, I use them to record all of my episodes and they make they just make the process so simple i can record segments i can delete segments i can move them around and you know they take the work out of it for me um with getting the episode published on two different platforms so for key locations i had initially only put down two places i had put down for privet drive and i had put down grunnings which is the drill company that mr Mr. Dursley works for. Um, I probably should have also put down Godric's Hollow, which is where Mr. and Mrs. Potter lived before they were uh, killed. Um, I don't know why I didn't put it down. I guess when I was going through important places for this chapter, my brain didn't think it was important, but that's kind of an important place. That's kind of the whole where this whole story begins is in Godric's Hollow. So I will talk about Godric's Hollow as well, even though it is not in my list of key locations. So for Privet Drive, um, it starts off at for Privet Drive, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive, blah, 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 blah. Um, so we automatically get the idea that the houses are very close together because it talks about, you know, the Dusleys shuddered to think what the neighbors would say if the Potters arrived in the street. Um, you know, so it makes me think the houses are probably close together. Um, if Mrs. Dursley can crane her head over various garden fences, um, people can kind of see what's going on. She can spy on people, which means people are probably probably spying on them as well. Um, so I'm assuming the houses are kind of close together, but the story starts at Four Privet Drive and it's a dull gray Tuesday morning. Um, the exact line actually literally says, when Mr. And, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley woke up on the dull gray Tuesday, our story starts, there was nothing about the cloudy sky outside to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon happen all over the country. Um, Mr. Dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work, and Mrs. Dursley gossiped away happily as she wrestled a screaming Dudley into his high chair. No, None of them noticed a large tawny owl flutter past the window. So, obviously, they're both in their own worlds. Not the most observant, because I think I would notice an owl flying past my window, especially during the day, but... You know, Mr. Mrs. Dursley already gossiping at like eight o'clock in the morning, already gossiping. What can you have to gossip about at eight o'clock in the morning? Woman, I would love to know. And then Mr. Dursley, again, very boring, picking out his most boring tie possible. And then we go to Grunnings. Um, Mr. Dursley works there at half past eight. He picks up his briefcase, uh, kisses Mrs. Dursley, tries to kiss Dudley, does not happen. Um, and on his way to work is when he first notices something strange. It was on the corner of the street that he first noticed the sign of something peculiar, peculiar. I could not get that word out. A cat reading a map. For a second, Mr. Dursley didn't realize what he had seen. Then he jerked his head around to look again. 
There was a tabby cat standing on the corner of Privet Drive, but there wasn't a map in sight. What could he have been thinking of? It must have been a trick of the light. Mr. Dursley blinked and stared at the cat. It stared back as Mr. Dursley drove around the corner and up the road. He watched the cat in his mirror. It was now reading the sign that said Privet Drive. No, looking at the sign. Cats couldn't read maps or signs. Mr. Dursley gave himself a little shake and put the cat out of his mind. As he drove towards town, he thought of nothing except a large order of drills he was hoping to get that day. So we know, um, obviously, from reading this chapter that that cat is Professor McGonagall and that she's sitting there all day watching the comings and goings of Privet Drive, watching the Dursleys, watching what they do, how they act, seeing what Dudley's like, um, kind of seeing what their routine is to see if they are a good fit for Harry to live with. Um, and then it says they have to drive into town, which makes me think that the Dursleys live in the suburbs, which is probably true. They probably do live in the suburbs. Um, they don't give a lot of description on what the house looks like in this chapter, at least, because again, this chapter is just kind of like setting the scene for everything. Um, and then we get to... Okay, so now we are at Grunnings, which is the drill company that Mr. Dursley is a director for, and it makes a point to tell us that his office is on the ninth floor, and he sits with his back to the window. Because he sits with his back to the window, he cannot see anything going on outside, or it would have been much harder for him to concentrate on selling drills that day. Um, because outside the window, there were Owls just flying around all over the place and shooting stars and more weird looking people in cloaks and robes and everything. But uh, because he sits with his back to the window all day, he did not see anything until he went out at lunch. And we will get more into what happened when he went out at lunch when we talk about key plot lines. But um, I do think it's very weird that he gets to work for, say, nine o'clock if he leaves at 8.30, so say he gets to work at 9 o'clock, and lunch is probably like 12.30, 1 o'clock-ish, but he does not move or get up at all from his chair in that time frame. He sits at his desk, does not get a coffee, does not get water, does not use the restroom, does not have to go into somebody else's office, does not even move around his own office at all, just sits in his chair at his desk the entire day. Um, he makes he made phone calls. He yelled at people. He made some more phone calls, yelled at some more people. So for him, it was a very successful morning um, sitting at his desk doing absolutely having no movement. Um, the last place that is a key place that I did not initially mention, and I don't know why I didn't initially mention it um, or write it down in my list of key places, is Godric's Hollow. Godric's Hollow is where the Potters lived uh, it's where they were murdered by you-know-who. It is the place where you-know-who is defeated. Um, so it is a very important place. Um, Godric's Hollow ends up being really important um, throughout the series. And I really can't wait to get further into the series when I can talk about Godric's Hollow a little bit more. Um, but so for now, let's get into some of the key plot lines in this first chapter. And now we will be getting into the key plot in chapter one of The Sorcerer's Stone. And for the introductory chapter, there really kind of is um, 
a lot of plot going on. Um, it doesn't seem significant now at the time, but definitely, you know, the more you read this book and just the Harry Potter series in general, um, you find out really how important the plot in this first chapter really was. Um, so the first main thing that we keep reiterating is the Dursleys are plain and they're boring and yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to bring it up again because I've brought it up at nauseum, like every other part of this. Um, the second, sorry, I'm eating Sour Patch Kids while I'm filming, while I'm recording this. Um, the other key important plot line is that there's a cat reading a map and sitting all day on Privet Drive watching the Dursley house. And Petunia, for as nosy as she is, does not seem to see or notice this cat sitting all day on Privet Drive. Just like Petunia doesn't seem to notice all day these owls flying around on Privet Drive, which I find quite weird. Um... You know, for as nosy and as gossipy as she is, she doesn't notice the stuff going on. I find that really hard to believe. I think it's more so she's purposefully ignoring what's going on because she knows what it means. Um, the next important plot line is that as uh, Mr. Dursley is driving around town and, try and getting to work and he's in a traffic jam, he sees all these strangely dressed people in town. He calls, you know, young people. They're weirdos. They're excited about something, huddled together in groups. You know, thinks, oh, they're probably just trying to get money for something or get attention for something. Um, you know, but, you know, he noticed all these people are dressed very weird, very odd, wearing robes and you know, cloaks and stuff that just, just, it, it's not right. It doesn't fit in. It doesn't make sense. Um, and then, but he kind of puts it out of his mind, goes to work, makes phone calls, yells at people, the things that Mr. Dursley does. But then when he's going to lunch and walking down the street, he notices still that there's people huddled together. And that's when he takes notice of the owls again. And he sees people huddled together and that's when he knows something or hears something strange and odd. He hears them talking about the Potters and you know who and how you know who is dead. And somebody, one of these strange weirdos walked up to him and said, you know who is dead. Even muggles like you should be rejoice rejoicing. And, um, you know, Mr. Dursley, he still kind of puts it off as well. There could be. A lot of people named Potter. You know, Potter is a common name. And then they mention, you know, that they had a son, Harry. And he's like, well, I think that's the name of my wife's si sister. My wife's sister's child is Harry. But I don't know, it could be something else. And again, Harry's a very common name. So it can't be the same Potters that they're talking about. And But he does think maybe he should call, you know, Mrs. Dursley at home and say... Something's going on, I don't know what, but then he thinks better of it and decides, well, I'll tell her at dinner, but then still thinks better of it. And then all night, he's wondering and trying to figure out what's going on and, you know, finally manages to fall asleep. But this whole time, it's he thinks something weird and strange is going on, but he doesn't quite know what. Um, and then McGonagall... McGonagall and Dumbledore 
are talking. So I'm really hungry. And so I'm eating Sour Patch Kids. And I'm recording this. Um, you know who is dead. It's been 11 years of terror. 11 years of uncertainty. The only person that he was ever afraid of was Dumbledore. Because Dumbledore has the same exact magical abilities as Voldemort. He just does not use them the same way. He uses his power for good. Which is obviously something very important. Um, I might touch touch on this a little later. Um, but I don't know. Um, the more you read the books, um, your opinion of Dumbledore changes a little bit, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, he doesn't care about fitting in a name or appearance, doesn't care that he's being watched. But the thing that just baffles me is all he does, he writes a letter to the Dursleys, um, to give to Harry when he's older, explaining everything, explaining what happened to his parents, explaining that he's really a wizard, um... You know, and all this stuff. And McGonagall doesn't like this. McGonagall's like, do you really think they're going to do this, Albus? Like, really? Do you really think this is going to happen? Like, I don't think so. They're the worst kinds of muggles. They're awful. You know, she thinks that Harry would be much better off um, living in the wizarding world around his kind. You know, because he's going to be famous. Everyone's going to know his name. And Dumbledore's like, well, that's the point. He's going to be famous. Everyone's going to know his name. Think he would be much better off living away from the magical world so he can grow up and have as normal a childhood as possible. So that's really the main plot um, in this story, or in this chapter at least. Um, you know, again, not a lot, a lot of plot. Um the plot that we have is definitely very important to the entire book. It definitely sets the scene. Um, but as far as plot-wise goes, it's not like big, meaty, juicy plot. So now we are into the part of the podcast where I would be telling you any notable quotes, any common fan theories, um, things like that. And there's not really any notable quotes in this chapter. Um, as the story goes on, we get, you know, we get some pretty good quotes. But in this chapter, the only thing really is to Harry Potter, the boy who lived, which is the title of the chapter too. So that's a pretty important quote. But that's about it. There's not really that many, um, like, important, notable, memorable quotes in this chapter. Um, fan theories, the only real fan theory that I would say, like, relates to this chapter as opposed to, like, the, sto like, the story as a whole is most of the fans pretty much, you know, are like, no, Harry should have gone to live with McGonagall, and if he lived with McGonagall, he would have known all the spells that he needed to know before age 11. He would have been smart. He would have been punctual. He would have been responsible, mature, but he would have been like, he, he would have been loved, which is the most important thing. The fact that he would have been loved. Um, you know, he wouldn't have been living in a broom, uh, you know, a, a broom closet, basically, you know, he would have been loved, would have known love, would have known affection, would have known that he was a wizard, would have known about his parents and what his parents did. Um, 
But unfortunately, he did not live with McGonagall. He lives with the Dursleys. Um, and next chapter is going to be really interesting um, getting into um, 11 years after the first chapter um, with Harry Potter, you know, and the Dursleys. Um, so that's really the only fan theory for this chapter. Um, there's the one notable quote. And then I would say on a scale of one to five lightning bolts, I mean, you guys can disagree with me. You know, feel free to disagree. Um, you can um, put it in a message on the Potter's Minds um, Facebook page. You can send it in a message to the uh, Potter's Minds Instagram page or to my personal Instagram. Um, leave it, you know, like in a review of this podcast episode. But I'm going to give this podcast a three out of five stars simply because when I first read this book when I was probably seven or eight years old, my grandmother had bought me all four books um, or the first four books um, for Christmas one year. She was part of like a book club thing and they gave her a deal. So she had bought me the first four books and then she continued, you know, to buy me the other books. But I started trying to read this story and maybe I was, I was probably like eight because I was in second grade. Um, and I was trying to read this book and it seemed interesting to me. It seemed intriguing. But I remember being like eight years old thinking this is such a slow start. This is such a slow start to a book. Um, it's so slow. It's so boring. It's not grabbing me. And my uh, my godmother's son was reading the stories too. And he told me, he's like, I, he's like, you'll like it. He's like, you have to get, I think, I think he told me that you have to get past the first like five chapters and then you'll really, really enjoy the story. And even now, 27 years old, so like 20, 21 years later, I'm still, like, reading this first chapter. I'm like, oh, my God, it's so slow. And I know why it's slow, because there's so much stuff they have to do to kind of, like, set the background for the story. But it's so slow to start. And this is supposed to be a kid's novel and, like, a young adult novel. And kids have very short attention spans. So if you don't have something that's going to grab them, like, right away, they're not going to read it. Um, and I just remember struggling and forcing myself to get through these first few chapters. And once I got through the first few chapters, I loved it. But getting through the first few chapters, and especially this chapter, it took me at the time, and I was a pretty fast reader growing up. Um, I was at a fourth grade reading level in first grade because my cousin who babysat me when I was little did Hooked on Phonics with me. So I was you know, at a fourth grade re reading level in first grade. So I was at a pretty advanced reading level. So I could definitely like comprehend what was going on in this book um, and in this chapter. And I just remember thinking it was so slow and it wasn't catching me. And it took me almost a month to read this first chapter because it was so slow. I had to like force myself to read it and even now going back and rereading it that's what took me so long to get this chapter out on top of like taking the notes and everything is that it took me so long to get through this first chapter 
I mean, it's just, it's a good chapter, but they shove so much information at you at once. Like, I don't really need to know where Mr. Dursley works. I really don't. It's in the, it's not that important. Like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not important to know what he does. It's not really important to know the name of the company he works for. Um, like, again, it, feel free to disagree with me. I would love to have, like, a discussion going on this. And if I can get some people who, like, agree to disagree, maybe I can figure out how we can do, like, a podcast, like, together. Um, so we can, like, talk about our thoughts, whatever, on the chapter. But I feel like there's a lot of information that they give us that they we really don't need at least so soon it's a lot of shoving information at you a lot of repeating stuff you know owls and the cat and the owls and the owls and the strange people and they're weird and the dursleys are boring and yada blah da 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 blah, blah so i definitely give this chapter a three out of five um i really would love to know what you guys think um of this chapter and what you would give it for a rating um so it gets three out of five lightning bolts from me. Um, the next episode I will try to have up um, in a couple of days. Um, the Criminal Minds episodes still take me even longer than this because I live record the the Criminal Minds podcast. So I watch like 10 minutes and I take notes and then I pause it and then I record. And then I like watch five, 10 minutes, pause it or take notes, pause it, record, like that back and forth. So it takes me a good two and a half, three hours to just record the episode. And then I have to like edit it and everything um, and put everything like in order and give all the segments titles. That way, if you guys want to skip around, you can just skip around. Um, but yes, yeah, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Potter's Minds podcast. Um, if you have not followed the Potter, um, the page on Instagram. The Instagram for Potter's Minds, um, it is Potter's, P-O-T-T-E-R-S underscore Minds. Um, that is the, ins- that's the Instagram page specifically for this podcast. And we also have a Facebook page called Potter's Minds. So you can go to facebook.com and search Potter's Minds and the page for the podcast will pop up as well. I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Potter's Minds. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. If you did enjoy it, please be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. And also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss another episode. Uh, If you want to connect with me further, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at peanut underscore Jessica 92. Talk to you guys soon.